This is your host, Trevor Karitson. We've got another really good episode coming for you guys. If you'd like to listen to previous episodes, you can go to evolutionary.org forward slash podcast. Steve, do you want to do the honors of introducing today's guest? We have Chris Psycho Lewis on. We have a real life psycho on. He's, a, he's even more psycho than me. All right. And this guy is, knows what the hell he's talking about. We're really excited to have him on. How you doing, buddy? All right. How you doing? I'm good. So, so tell our listeners who don't know you, why are you a psycho? Well, I got that from my mom. That's not a nickname from my mom because I learned all the words to psycho the movie one, two, and three. So I'll often repeat them in my everyday life as a young teenager. So that's how I got it. So does that translate to your fitness as well? Are you a psycho in the gym? Well, uh, I will push my guys to the to the uh, limit, and I'm always reconfigurating things in the gym to make my own equipment. I'm very I'm known for making my own equipment right there on the spot to get a certain angle of the back or chest or shoulder or whatever I'm trying to do. The so, first thing I'll say for our listeners is if you haven't already followed Chris on Instagram, follow his Instagram. You're kind of like the new Charles Blast. You got such cool exercises. Do you do you come up with all that stuff yourself? Yeah, what I do, I'm kind of known for like, you'll see me touching the guys. And if something's not firing or the muscle's not engaging, I'll have to invent an angle right there in the moment to get the exact spot that I want by positioning a bench up or down or right or left just to get the right spot, what I'm trying to do, especially for that. Can you, can you be more specific on that? Like if guys want to try this themselves, can they, can they actually watch your video and kind of learn how to do that? Can oh, you yeah, kind of describe it? Instagram where I, it's called the setup, where I actually show you exactly how to set up and then what muscles you're supposed to be engaging. That's also my YouTube channel, Psycho Fitness 21. Interesting, interesting. I'll have, for our listeners, I'll have his Instagram and the YouTube in the show notes so you can check those out there. So Chris, how did this all start for you? I mean, like, you're a big, big guy. Anyone who's just listening to the audio, I mean, Chris is a big motherfucker. Yeah. How how did how how did you get into weight training? Like, where did this passion for weight training, bodybuilding, where did this all come from? Well, it's more on mine. Like, even now, I still build classic cars and I design homes and stuff like that. So it's kind of the evolution of seeing something change and seeing something evolve with actually putting your energy into it. So it's the same thing as I do in my everyday life. It just happened to involve right now into fitness. But I came into goals twenty. I would say at least 28 years ago, and I was working under Charles Glass. So Charles Glass had a lot to do with my, my me being. Okay, so you're kind of like the Charles. You're kind of like the Charles Glass protege. Uh, Charles Glass was my mentor at that time, but uh, we kind of separated. Like I said. Do you, do you want to talk about it on the show, or just leave it at that? Oh, it's, it's, it's pretty much out there. It was a pretty bad separation. And uh, basically what happened was, I was I met Chris Cormier 20 plus years ago, and he brought me into Gold's gym. And basically Charles Glass kind of adopted me into his wing. And he would, Charles Glass basically taught me how to be creative. 
So a lot of people like to say that he taught me everything. Not not through. He taught me how to be creative and basically to trust my instincts and basically to he sparked something inside of me. So uh, over the years, I would train with Flex Wheeler, Cormier, Gillette. Now, all the top names in bodybuilding, I would train. So as Charles became more popular, he would often leave and go out of the country, do seminars, posing clinics, whatever, and then left Psycho in charge of the asylum, as you might say. So I would do things my way, and Charles really didn't like that. So the separation slowly began. You're never going to guess who we have coming on the show tomorrow. <laughs> You Chris, Chris Cormier, Chris Cormier, not Charles Glass. Okay, yeah. Chris Cormier speaks extremely highly of you, by the way. Oh yeah, well, well Chris had a lot. To, Chris had a lot to do with me here today. Like he also, I used to be really shy. I used to be really shy and very introverted, and Chris helped bring that out of me as well. So all those guys played a big part of what you see now. How Sorry. Are you, how did you link up? That's what everyone wants to know. Okay. Basically, that was a psycho takeover from Charles Glass. About five years ago, Rodin came in to train with Charles, and I was Charles' protege, you know, apprentice, so right. And Rodin moved into the same apartment building as mine, so he lived right upstairs from me. So I would help him out. I would help him out a lot with a lot of bodybuilding things, and uh, Charles would leave, go out of the country. Charles would be you know, not there. I would do the old school things that we did back with Flex Wheeler and Cormier. The reason why those guys come to Venice, they they, they want the old school training that these greats uh, received. And that's how I slowly became, that's how I slowly started to evolve it. I became, I started training Sean Roden and Dexter Jackson and Hide Yamagichi and a host of others. We've had a lot of bright individuals on the podcast in the past, and we asked them, I asked them at least, ahead of the Olympia, and Trevor asked a few too, who would win? And none of them picked Sean Roden. So all these uh, analysts who follow bodybuilding, they were wrong, and I love that. I love when the underdog wins. I love that in sports. I think most people do. Were you surprised at the results of the Olympia, or were you like, you know what? I knew this was going to happen. No, in fact, there's another interview that I did two years ago where I predicted that Sean was going to win the Olympia. But we had medical issues that, that stopped that. The first year I took over Sean, he had a broken jaw. So we started, we started his Olympia prep at like 2.30. You know, this guy is supposed to start at 300. So we had to work our way up and work our way down. With that, he still took fifth in the world. Then the next, we were getting, the next year, we were getting ready for the Arnold and Sean had stomach ulcers that we didn't know happened, but he had some type of thing going on with stomach, rushed to the hospital, had emergency surgery, bleeding stomach ulcers. So that stopped us from taking it, you know, at the Arnold. So by this time, I had knew the exact formula to make Sean, have Sean win the Olympia. It was, I knew exactly what to do. And basically it's like this, because. You have to understand, I've been trying to win that Olympia for 15, 20 years. Not with Rodin, but with Cormier, with Flex, with Ronnie, with a multitude of others. And we did, they made the same mistake all the time. So with me being in the back, I'm not, I wasn't head trainer, I wasn't head guru, my opinion was very little. So now that I became head trainer, we did it my way. 
And basically, if you can't win an argument, you change the argument. And that's what we did. We changed the argument. So what Phil, they call him Mr. Saturday Night. And what he, Phil would always do, he would come in flat, a little drawn, and then he would fill up on Saturday night. And then everybody else would fill up on Saturday night trying to chase this guy. We're playing his game. Don't chase him. So what we did when Phil got bigger, he ate food and did whatever they did to get him bigger, it made his stomach worse. So what we did, we went back the other way and got harder. Another thing that Phil always does, he's known for hyping up the crowd, being really animated and hyping up the crowd. That's his game. So I told Sean, when Phil does that, put your hands on the hip and just look at him like he's stupid. And the audience went crazy. And it was just basically, we took him pose by pose and just picked him apart. Not with, not with hugeness, not with being bigger, with being more symmetrical, with being harder. We just changed the argument for what they were doing before. And it, and it played my favorite. Chris, we had most of the top Olympians on this podcast, and pretty much every single one of them said, hey, we're all fighting for a second. It's Phil's show. How does it feel? Like, it's got to feel like, it's got to feel like you just deadlifted, like, a million pounds. It must have been, like, are you just, like, were you guys, like, popping champagne? Or, like, what was your first reaction when they announced Sean Roden, Mr. Olympia? Well, my, when they announced it, I was sitting with the Kuwaitis. Like, I was sitting right next to him, and Jim Mannion, you know, I think those guys kind of know well, we get a vibe. So at the pre-judging, it, you know, if you break the bodybuilder down pose by pose and you break it down in rounds, we won the symmetry round, hands down. Sean has the best symmetry. We won the hardness round. Sean was harder, harder than Phil. The only, only thing we didn't win would be the muscularity because Phil possessed more muscle on his frame than Sean did. So now that's two to one. So now we're gonna go pose by pose. Front double, we got that one. Front last break, we got that one. Side chest. Phil never does a side chest. He does a side most muscular with the two arms like this. That is not a side chest. That's a side most muscular because Phil's arms are too big for his shoulders. So he tries to hide that. Once again, we exploited that. Rear double, Phil wins that all day. Rear, rear last break, Phil wins that all day. So once again, we can't beat him in a rear double, so let's change the argument. So I told Sean, let's, let's make it a rear, a low back pose instead of that. So what Sean did, he lifted his arms up, engaged his lower back, showed a total stride at a Christmas tree, and that everybody looked at that instead of Phil's rear double, which they've seen for seven years. So we just changed it. So... I knew we were going to get it. So basically, I made some phone calls, and, and I was talking to people, and it sounds really arrogant, but I said, I don't know how I'm going to handle this because we're dethroning an active Mr. Olympia. Like, this, this is going to happen. And people told me, you know, just pray. And I said, no, no, you don't understand. We got this. We're too far ahead. So it wasn't a surprise to me. It was just basically hearing the words. So all I heard was, and the new, and now woke up 15 minutes later backstage. I don't even know how I got back there. I don't know what happened. I just know I heard, and the new, and I was tackled by the Kuwaitis. I was in tears, they were in tears. The place was like an earthquake and somehow ended up backstage. And that's, all I, that's all I remember about that. I don't remember Sean on stage. I, I know I've seen videos, but I don't remember anything after and the new. 
So it's a really good feeling to answer your question. I'll say one more thing, I'll let Steve jump in. So a lot of our listeners want to know, what did you guys eat as your post-Olympia dinner celebration? Uh, I didn't eat anything. We went, we, it's called the gala. So we went outside, we did interviews. And like, mind you, I cried for like at least two hours. There's like some video and pictures of me bawling like a little baby. And Sean was just so subdued. And Sean was so lean, he had trouble walking backstage because there's no fat on the bottom of his feet. So actually his feet were actually hurting from the concrete floor. So he was like walking around backstage and he wasn't so much pain from his feet. I don't think it hit him. I don't, when we went to the gala, I sat in the corner, people would come up, congratulate me. I started crying again. They walk away, more people come up, congratulate me. I started crying again. And, you know, just everything played out. We did, I didn't eat anything. I don't even think Sean ate anything. We, we had a lunch when he got back from Olympia. He had salmon and white rice. So this is kind of a hard question, I know, but what do you think is going to happen in the future? Do you think that a lot of – there's going to be a new champion next year? Do you think Sean has a chance to repeat? Or do you think Phil will come back and win it again? What's, uh, what's your analysis – it's, it, it, I know it's really hard, it's early, and I know you probably, you may change your mind, you know? It's not hard, it's like this. So, to be, become Mr. Olympia, you have to beat two people. You have to beat the current Mr. Olympia, and you have to beat yourself. That's how you become Mr. Olympia. You can't just beat yourself, and you can't just beat Mr. Olympia. You have to beat both. So you have to get your all-time best, and you have to beat that Mr. Olympia. So. We still have a lot of room to go on Sean. So Sean will be better next year. We're gonna do a great off season. It's a fantastic off season that we have planned. And Sean's gonna beat himself next year. Now, who can beat him that was on that stage? No, there's no one right now that can beat him. I think Roley will come in second next year because of aggression and what's going on. And, he will definitely evolve, but I think we can fend, we can fight Roley off for another year, for sure. Bonac has too much muscle for his frame, and now we've changed the direction of bodybuilding. We changed it from giant, huge to symmetrical and symmetry. So now those guys that have been running that way, they have to change and come back this way, and it takes more than a year to actually do that. So I think I'm pretty sure, confident, no disrespect to those guys. They can't change it that fast and come back after. And, you know, the waist is glandular. So it's constantly growing. So we have this tiny waist, which is the cornerstone of bodybuilding. So they have to try to reduce something glandular, which is not possible. So we're going to have the smallest waist. We're going to add six more pounds on the upper body. And we're going to come in just as hard. And I think we're going to pretend it's better next year. Follow up on that, Trevor. And then I had a question about the locale of Olympia. Well, as I say, is all the major media outlets, they basically said exactly what you said. They said, this is the change we needed. You know, the sport was going in the wrong direction. It was mass upon mass. It was, it was almost becoming like a freak show, right? And now with Rodin, he's a big guy. He's got a lot of muscle, but it's still a beautiful physique to look at. That's something where the average person, they look at that and it looks like art. Whereas the way the sport was going, the average person they would look at that and it almost looks like one of those Miles Satan deficient cows, you know, where you're like, holy crap, what is like, what is wrong with him? 
So yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I, I, I love rodents physique and I think, I think it's the change the sport needs because it's no secret that bodybuilding has really died the last couple of years. Right. And I want to say something and that's contributed to Chris Cormier and Flex Wheeler and Paul Delat because they always pounded in my head Size for the sake of size means nothing. A 52-inch waist and a 26-inch arm, the arm means nothing because the waist is too big. You must start with that V-tapering. You must keep that waist in line. And that, that was Cormier and Flex Wheeler and Gillette. That was their, that was their main focus is keeping their waist in line. And we, we moved away from that, and we were just chasing these huge numbers. And that's what happened with Rami. They chased these huge numbers. They thought 310 would get it, but now they just disturbed the waist and they totally moved him away from that. So we, we changed it, but we have to keep, everybody loves a big arm. Everybody loves a big chest. So we have to keep, we have to keep the mind on the waist. We can't just look at the upper, the, the arms and not look at the waist. If it's, get, if it's getting out of control, we have to change that. I think, I think a big problem, Chris, is that you have onstage bodybuilders and you have tank top bodybuilders. Right. And the problem is with a tank top on, you can have like a, you can have a pretty big waist, but if you got big arms, you got the shoulders, you look like a jack motherfucker when you're in the mirror. Right. The problem is you take that tank top off and then it's like, Oh man. So that's, I think that's the problem is the guys, they're not really assessing the physique in posing trunks. They're, you know, they may be doing like an ab shot here or there, but they're not actually stripping down and seeing that X, I think that's a big problem. Well, whose fault is that? That's not, that's not the, that's not the uh, bodybuilder's fault. That's my fault. That's the trainer's fault. Every time that we went to the Olympia and we failed, that was, I was, I was a failure. I failed because I knew and I wouldn't speak up and the other trainers were chasing these numbers. Fill them up, fill them up, bigger, bigger, bigger. And that's what done Phil in, trying to get bigger. Phil would have much more success if they would have pulled him down even more. But Phil would have lost his chest if they would have tried that, and he would have lost other body parts by trying to suck down, by trying to play our game, because it wasn't set up that way from 15, 20 weeks ago. So those guys taught me back in the day, and it's just old school bodybuilding. The cornerstone of bodybuilding is that V taper, and that's what you have to make sure you maintain the whole time. It doesn't matter how big the arm is. Yes, Phil has better arms than Sean Rudin, but his waist-to-shoulder waist ratio is better than better than this. So we change we change the game, and but we have to stay mindful of the game and don't play their game. Continue to play ours. Steve, you want to jump in? So I have a, a locale question. The Olympia has been in Vegas since I believe 1988. I think that was the first year Ronnie Coleman won it. Before that, they had it in different cities: New York, Chicago, and then they had it overseas. They had it in Sweden and. Uh, in, in Germany and all kinds of different countries. Do you, you know, what do you think about that? Um, do you think that they should do that again, where they kind of like move it around to different cities, different countries, or do you think that they should just hold it in Vegas uh, for the foreseeable future? Because it's been since 98 in a row. Right, well, that's, that's a very good, very good question because what would happen, and it's all because of the internet, the internet has changed everything. Two months before, everybody, all the people who competed in Olympia, no matter what was in the world, they would all train in Venice. And then they would head out two weeks or 10 days before the Olympia to wherever, uh, Atlanta, LA, wherever, you know, to, to actually compete in the competition. Since the internet, people feel they don't need to travel. They don't need to go to Venice. They don't need to go to Bad Breakfast. 
They don't need to go talk to Steve. They think they'll be on the internet, which is not true. You need that. So I don't mind that it's in Vegas. It's much, it's more convenient for me because I'm used to it. We stay at the same hotel. We know where all the grocery stores are. It's more convenient. But for the fans, I think the fans would enjoy hosting it in their home country or city or state. I think that would be better. So actually for the sport, it would be better. For me, it wouldn't be better. But, you know, it's not about the fans. So I think moving around may be better. And I think it may spark more interest and create more people coming to the sport. Do you think that's kind of been bar biased for the American way? Because the you know, United States has the money and everything. If they put it in Helsinki, you know, Finland, you know, for example, you know, you know, it's it's out in the middle of uh, northern Europe. You know, like, do you think that that's kind of the American um, corporations and supplement companies are kind of taking over bodybuilding, where they say, yeah, we want it in Vegas. This is our home territory. Well, I don't think the Olympics say we want to keep it. I think Vegas is paying big money for the Olympics to be there. That's how the Olympics work. Whoever gets to host the Olympics, it goes to the highest bidder. They would host the Olympics in hell if Satan come up with enough money. That's just the way it is. So whoever pays the most, that's what the show is. Now, I'm not sure if Vegas has a five-year commitment or a three-year commitment or a 10-year commitment, but I'm pretty sure they have some type of commitment. You know, so something's going on where because there's a huge influx of people that come into Vegas during that week. I'm there for, I'm, I know much money I spend and I have, uh, you know, sponsorships and, you know, uh, my room is paid for and I still all the money that I spend. So let's think of the average person who doesn't have that, they're dropping, you know, a few grand, you know, probably five grand, just in Vegas. So you, t you multiply that by- Well, it's months. like the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl, they don't keep the Super Bowl in the same city every year, they rotate it, you know? So I, that's why I was kind of like curious um, about that. So, but do you think there's a specific reason why Vegas itself is Vegas kind of, is it kind of like a hub for, for bodybuilding in some way? I think Vegas paid for the right to host. I'm, I'm sure Vegas is, is sponsoring it somehow or like there's, there's something because like you got to think about it. People are going down there for the Olympia, but they're not going just for the Olympia. They're also going to be gambling. They're going to be doing some shopping. After parties. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. And that, that generates the economy for, you know, person walks in there and they drop five grand, whether it be hotel, food, whatever. And Vegas gets a big piece of that. So, that's what's going on. It's about money. It's all about money. I wouldn't be surprised if the city of Nevada even said, you know, hey, we'll give you the Expo Center. We'll give you the hall. We'll give it all to you for free if you host the Olympia here. Why not? I would. That's what I would do. Yeah, it makes sense. It's almost, it's almost like uh, if you own a nightclub, you let the promoter book a DJ, you know, a big-name DJ. He makes money off the tickets, but then you make money off all the liquor. Off the bar. Exactly. Yeah. I so would Chris, a lot of our listeners want to know, how often were you training with Sean leading up to the Olympia? Were you guys training together every single day? Was he doing two-a-day workouts? What, what did his workout routine look like? Well, uh, when it comes to the workout, my, like I said, my workout style and the consistency of like jazz, we will, we will go for as many days straight as I possibly can before he needs a rest. And then we'll do many doubles as I possibly can before he needs a rest. I don't have a set schedule saying we're off on Sundays or we're not that. Even even the time that we work out, we meet around nine, and the workout may not start until ten because I want to make sure this guy is ready to actually work out. So I don't with the top guys in the world like that. I don't have a set thing with them. So 
mostly it will be 10 to 12 days straight and we'll do doubles in there as well, but not every day. It all depends how tired he is and where he is in the prep, if he's getting too small or whatever like that, I might pull back and say, we're off tonight or we'll come back tonight and stuff like that. Or sometimes we'll, we'll be three days, three days. When you say you have to get him ready, what, what does that look like? So if he came at nine and he wasn't ready, what do you do to get him ready? Oh, we just, we just sit there and let him talk. and We just kind of unwind. We might go through some poses. We may talk about bodybuilding. We may talk about whatever. It's just, I, I'm not on the clock. I just, I'll just sit there and just let it unfold. And then how long is each workout roughly? Or does it change every workout? Uh, we will never get in there and out less than two and a half hours. Holy smokes. Never. We, we'll, it'll never happen. I would Sean at least three hours in the morning and another hour and a half at night. And then sometimes we'll come back and pose at 11 o'clock at night for another hour. So for all of our listeners who are reading these bodybuilding magazines that say if you train over 45 minutes, you're overtraining. Uh, you just heard it firsthand right here. No, 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 no. That's, that's BS. There's, there's no overtraining. There's undersleeping and undereating. Well, you got you to gotta think, right? Most personal trainers bill on an hour. So right. the reason these magazines say, you know, hey, the ideal workout is, you know, 50 minutes is because what does a personal trainer do? They warm you up for five minutes. They train you, you know, for 45, 50 minutes. Right. Five-minute cool down on to the next client. See, that's the thing, that's another thing about what makes me psycho. I have no idea what I made last year or the year before or the year before. And I don't want to know because I'm an artist. And I don't do an hour. I, I don't know the last time I did an hour workout. It doesn't work that way. So sometimes, I'll, let's say I'm training you and my next client comes in and you guys still want to give. I'll train both you guys at the same time on different body parts. Like I'm in the gym going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Because I have to make sure, let's say if you're doing cardio, I have to make sure all the packages is gone before you do cardio. What's the point? I need to make sure you're going to burn fat from the first step to the, the third, uh, 100th step on the treadmill. So I don't, I never watch the clock. It, it never, it never happened. It never will happen. And it's best way like that. I don't watch the money either. Because if, if this guy's paying $200 a session and this guy is behind paying in a session, mentally, I'm not going to give this guy what I should give that guy. So I don't think about it. So I don't know what my clients pay. All I know about what they look like. And I can't, I think the money will actually destroy my art. It sounds like you have to be all in on something to truly be great at it. And that's something I've noticed in life. Because anytime, you know, I've been, I've had different businesses. Anytime I'll have like two, three businesses at one time, they won't do well. But if I can focus just on one business, you know, bam, it's like 24 seven focusing on one business, I succeed every time. So, I mean, with bodybuilding, it's like no different than any other thing. Is that, is that something that makes sense? No, it makes, it makes perfect sense. Like I'm saying, like, this is what I do. Like all, all I do is diets I, and train people. That's it. I do not do any billing or appointments at all. I don't think about it. I don't even want the information in my head. And even in my downtime, like I said, I, I restart old cars, which is the same thing as me. It's something evolving. I don't even I don't even know what the cars cost. I said I need this part, and someone buys it for me, and then that's it. So my my whole my whole life is right in this box. And to be to be really good at something, maybe some people can watch their their bottom line. I don't that information. I don't need to know. If I'm a great trainer, a consequence of that is I'm gonna make a lot of money. So I don't have to worry about the actual money. 
you ever get burnt out being so dedicated to your clients? No. Right now, I have clients. My client list is insane, meaning these people want to learn. They want to train. They love it. And they come into the gym with just as much enthusiasm as I have. If you ever see me in the gym, I'll walk around and grab people. Like, I'm, I am the energy in the gym because I'm happy. Like, it's a happy, that's why it's so happy to me. And even when I, when I train, I don't know, it could be a housewife or it could be whatever. Her goal is the same as Sean's, to be the best. To be the best looking housewife possibly. Saying Sean wants to be the best Olympia possibly. So when you're around people like that that want to be there, it's, it's not work. It's not work at all. Like when, I, when I walk into those or any gym whatsoever, you know, I'm, I tell them, like, let's turn the music up, let's do this, you know, and, and we bring it home. And that's what I'm saying with Sean. When he comes to the gym, we just sit there and just, we just talk. We sit there and talk, you know, it's all positive. Want to do this, want to do that, want to do this. You ready to get started? No, not ready. Let's, okay, let's just sit and talk some more. And then when, once we start, we kill it. Like, we, we kill it. Like, we, I try to, like he said a statement, he said that psycho fitness took me to the flower mound every day and threw him, I threw him off. And I did. And guess what? He climbed right back up the next day. Are you also training like average Joes who, or, or people who kind of been out of the gym a while and then kind of want to, want to get back into shape to be their best, I as you said? Anybody who I like. Okay. If I like you, if we're going to have fun three or four times out the week, if we're going to joke around, if we're going to listen heavy ass weight and we're going to sweat and stuff like that and you're serious about your goal, whether that be going to your class reunion or whether that be in training pro, I'll train you. But what I don't train is negative people. And then what's a way to kind of motivate someone who's kind of down themselves because not that they're negative, but they're maybe, you know, they used to be in great shape and they went through like a divorce and, and their wife destroyed their finances and they're trying to come back now. They want to get back to the way they were and they walk in there. What's something that you can kind of hammer with them? You said it maybe five minutes ago. You gave a really motivational little one minute rant there. What's something that you can tell one of those people, though, to kind of get them their brain back on track and be positive? Well, if they were in shape before, that's really easy because the body has already mapped that program to get back in shape. So all we got to do is go back in that, back, go back down that road. We'll take little detours. Maybe that, that road's closed, but we'll go around that way and we'll do that. But I'm not a negative person. Like, if you're negative, like, I'll say, they leave that shit at the front door. Like, there's no negativity. Everything that we go through in life is a process that gets us to another level. Like when I put 225 on the bar, you do it 10 times and it hurts like hell. Next time you'll do 235 for 10. And that's it. And the same thing when your, your wife left you broke. It's a process to get you to the next level. It's not for something. And you use that pain in the gym. Everything is a positive for a positive people. Like bad things don't happen to good people. It's only things that happen to people. And we have to use that as a positive and just as fuel to fire. So like like we were talking before, and uh, I made a thing, I, uh, I said, uh, I wrote this thing and I said, I love when you guys talk, talk shit about Sean. I mean, I love it. I said, because you guys make my job that much easier. Because Sean the kind of person, when he's down, he comes back even stronger. And I said, so what do you think I'm whispering in his ear? They say you're not even going to make top five. They say you're washed up. They say you're too old. What are you going to do? Home, or we're going to get in here and do this. And Sean wouldn't say anything, and he would just dig deep. He would dig deep. He 
You know, like this. The ultimate form of disrespect is not to talk bad about somebody. When you talk bad about somebody, I'm on their mind. You're saying my name, I'm creating something you're thinking about. The ultimate disrespect is not to talk about them. Chris who? Psycho who? Sean? Top five? Not even a conversation. So you have to understand, when they don't mention your name, that is the ultimate disrespect. And I told them, now they know I fucking meant it. Now they will never say Sean Roden Boo. And it just made my job that much easier. So go on Instagram and you'll see me like leaning into Sean. And I said, they say you're too old, man. They say, they say you're not going to do it. And a, a year ago, two years ago, I started hashtagging Bobby Boucher. You guys remember the movie The Water Boy? Yeah, I do. Trevor probably doesn't. Trevor's too young, but yeah, I remember. <laughs> I, don't know. I, I watched it. Oh, okay. <laughs> You know, a lot of times when I took Sean and Dexter and a lot of these top pros, they were saying, hey, the water boy is taking the guys from Sean. Yeah, well, what happened when he gave the water boy the ball? He scored the winning touchdown. Sean Roden was that ball. He was my ball. So all the naysayers and, oh, he's not going to do it, or he's not training like that, and we don't like his style, or Sean's not big enough. Just be careful when you push somebody or you overlook somebody. And you give them the, the deflated ball, which is Sean Roden, you pump that fucking ball up and score a touchdown with it. You have to understand that everything is a positive to positive people. And that's what happened with Sean and I. I was thrown away, Sean was thrown away. We found each other, we won the game. Let's get into some listener questions. So, Make It Rotate wants to know how do I grow more odor sweep on my legs? Pushing, pushing your knees out and pushing out on the side of your foot. So if this is your foot, push out on the side of your pinky toe, the heel, and push your knees out. And that will grow the outer sweep of your foot. Is there any particular exercise you like for that? I like, if you're over 40, I like to do the leg press. I'm not a big squatter because I think it makes the glute grow too big. And like I said, if a big quad and a big loop, you can't differentiate the two, so they kind of look the same. So you want to grow the actual, you don't want to invade the glute when you're actually building quads. You want to just focus on outer quads. So I like Fascinating. That. So you, you like the leg press more than the squat. Yeah, because what happens, the whole body's going to grow is one. Like a leg press, like squats, I, I like that for an athlete, a football player, a basketball player, where their whole body is one unit. Where it's, it's this actual muscle, this actual machine that's doing the job. Bodybuilding, we want everything separate. That's why Sean looks so symmetrical, because I've built everything separate. Everything is individually grown. That way the quad grows and the hip and the glutes stay smaller and make the quad look more prominent. Fascinating. You really are an artist. Thank you. A couple of our listeners also want to know, do you take online clients or do you only train people one-on-one? -on -one? I do, uh, most of my clients are online. I have uh, 51 actually online clients on a regular basis. So if you guys are see, I always have a Bluetooth in my ear. I'm always constantly doing diets. I mean, I have an assistant that calls me and they'll say, oh, Roger lost five pounds, do this, do that, I'm that, this and that. All the diets come from me. And uh, I'm really big on that because you can't do one without the other. I need that information to, con to help with my clients in the gym when I drop the carbs down too low, when I able to perform 
the actual workout or if it's already being lazy and they need to dig deep. So I need to do everything. So I do it all. So um, you'll have a chance at the end to definitely let us know how any of our listeners can get in touch with you. Um, in person, though, is it um, you, you train at, do you have your own gym or do you, do you have a gym that you're, is it, is it Gold's Gym? I train at Gold's Gym Venice. That's where, that's my home gym. And I also travel to Mexico. I work a lot in Mexico. I go to Mexico like six times a year. And I'm trying to set up a tour so I can do seminars across the country. So guys DM me your gym, contact me, I'm going to set up a tour. I'm going to hop on a bus and just go to is it, is it Is it across the border in Mexico or is it like more Mexico City? No, I go deep into Mexico. I, go, I, I spend a lot of time in Mexico. Okay. You don't have to worry about people trying to rob you or anything when you go down there, right? Would you rob me, really? Would I? I would not, no. No, I'm pretty good down there. They, they know him. They call me El Psycho down there, so I'm pretty good. <laughs> they don't mess with you, huh? They probably think you're like a bodyguard for some like big mafia drug dealer or something. Well, I work with some pretty powerful people down there. It's still like that. I'm would you ever come to Canada? I haven't been to Canada yet. I'm trying, I'm trying to get out there and visit my friend Regan and uh, Zane. So I, 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 okay, definitely make it down to Canada. I'm in Winnipeg. I, I will definitely do that. All I'll say is bring a warm coat. Yeah, I'm not too. I'm not too familiar with the cold, so we'll have to, we'll see. Where, where did you where did you grow up? Oh, I'm from I'm from South Central LA. Like, I'm okay, so you're you, you're still in California then. You didn't like move around the country or anything. No, no, I didn't start traveling until I got deeper into bodybuilding training people because uh, I didn't that bodybuilding is all my all my trips and all my travels by race around fitness. Do you see Rodin on a daily basis? Are you guys still living in the same apartment building? No, Rodin actually moved to Santa Barbara, which is like two and a half. So, well, when we prep, he uh, stays down here, and I, I just recently bought a house, so he'll be staying with me when he when we start the prep back. Right now, he's uh, overseas doing something. So, is that what Roden's doing right now? Is he's kind of like doing seminars, doing interviews, kind of like spreading the word about bodybuilding? We're we're, we're both going to be doing them. We have, we have a few set up already, so I kind of want to get it pretty full. But we're going to spend a lot of time together that way. I think make sure he's doing all his training and make sure he's on track. So. Uh, that's pretty normal, Mr. Lindbergh. You do a lot of traveling, but he's gonna take me. Has he taken you to uh, his home country, Jamaica? No, I didn't go. Like I said before, I travel. I travel so much on my own. The schedules didn't actually. When he was there last, our schedules didn't line up. I give you guys total props because that right now is what the sport needs. We need the Mr. Olympia out there shaking hands, doing seminars, doing expos. Part of the reason the sport has died is because of Mr. Olympia wasn't traveling. That's, that's what some say. Some say because, of, you know, I've been in this sport for 30 years. You know, I've never met them. I've, I've never said hello to him. He's never said hello to me. Nothing. That's kind I of mean, if you, look, if you look at, like, the most popular fitness icons, right, if you think Rich Piana, Rich Piana wasn't even an IFBB pro. But the reason he was so popular is he was at every expo. He was at every seminar. And not just, not just that, when he was there, he was all in. You know, he was there from open to close. He shook every single hand. And that's why he died a legend. Really did. I mean, Rich Piana would come into Gold's Gym on a Saturday on a regular basis, bring about 20 of his athletes. I mean, and this fucking guy would talk to whoever for however long they would talk. And he was all in, all engaged. 
and a really nice guy. I mean, I mean, my same thing about Rich Miana, and I'm telling you, this guy, I've had private conversations with him and I in the corner of Go's Gym, and I thought he was the same guy all the time. And you're right, that was an ambassador of the sport. Who, who's, who, are, <clears throat> before Trevor gets to that, who right now do you think is the ambassador of the sport? Um, I think Kai is a really good ambassador of the sport. I think Woley, although he doesn't talk much, just his energy and his positivity radiates, and he's a great ambassador of the sport. Okay. Those are two guys that I, I would have to say I really do you don't have to answer this, but who are the assholes? Well, they, uh, I never met Phil, but Phil is labeled an asshole. Okay. <laughs> but you know, okay. Of the guys you met, do you want to name any? Uh, it's okay. I mean, that, we're not saying they're bad people. Just like. I don't know. I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think of any assholes. Um, people are really nice when I, when I meet them. I mean, I, people are really nice. I'm saying, I, just, I don't know Phil. I just, they just say that. To, to be fair, to be fair, Chris, what you said is what you said is completely true. Is that Phil is generally disliked, you know? Whereas like Jay Cutler, I've never heard a negative thing about Jay Cutler. You know, Ronnie Coleman, people will say Ronnie, man, he was he was the greatest of all time. You know, Dorian Yates, oh man, that guy, he trained like a motherfucker. But Phil, whatever it is, and again, I've never met the guy, so like this isn't. I'm not saying anything negative about him, but people generally don't like him. I don't, like, I don't know why that is. It's just, he has well, a bad reputation. It, it could be, it could be because he's so quiet. Like, and, and, and when, uh, and he's, maybe he's attacked so much, and then when, when he does speak, he's being defensive, and they maybe just talk like that. But, or he, he could be a really nice guy, because, you know, he's, he was friends with Jay, and Jay is a great guy. And, uh, but that's it. You know, I, I don't know. This, this is our first time with the title, and I may face some things that, you know, I'm not familiar with, you know, but I think you have to talk more and let people know who you are and stuff like that. You know, so before, besides Winkler and Roden, out of the top 10, Mr. Olympia, who would you consider like your closest friend? Friend, wow. Um, like who's the people you network with, you know, like hang out with the most or if any? Okay, I'm going to tell you something that's going to sound really real. Like when they call me psycho, I'm really psycho. So I'll train Sean and Stanimo, who's a classic physique, uh, classic bodybuilder. I'll train them together. If they're eating, if they're having lunch, I won't sit with them. It's like we're in front. I won't sit with them at all. I'll, I'll go sit someplace else or I'll go to another restaurant. I won't sit with them. Uh, because I don't want to destroy the sanctity of the relationship, trying and train a relationship. So the, the, the evolution of the training in the beginning, that's different. That's in the gym, and we're talking about fitness, and we're, we're we're getting ready for the workout like that. But like small talk and stuff like that, I won't have with my friends. So I don't have any friends actually in, in, in the business. So it's like you stick to business. It's a business relationship, then. It's it's it's, it's the business. Yeah. No, you it, don't want because I have to preserve it. I don't know how it's gonna be, but I need these guys when I yell at them. I don't need them to go oh, shut the fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> I mean business and it's time for us to work. So, you know, it's, it's kind of like high school football. You know, everybody's you know, bullshitting around. But when the coach walks on the team, everybody's like, oh, the coach is here. You know, and then when the coach says something, when the coach says, hey, you got to get an A in this class or you can't, you know, dig down deep and get the A in the class so you can make the team next year. 
on that. So no friends anymore. I'm friendly to everybody. Like I'm always laughing. I'm always excited. I'm always creating energy. If you ever go see me in gym, not creating energy. Like I'm always creating energy. I'll walk over to you and make you do five extra reps. You know, I don't even know you. So, but far as like, but friendly, I'm always friendly. But friends, no. It's all me being the fire, the spark in that gym. Well, I mean, the reason I kind of bring it up, I, I think a lot of people outside of bodybuilding, because I've been, you know, working fitness for quite a while now. I've been running forums and stuff. These are the nicest guys that are involved in fitness, but the outside of fitness, we'll hear in the news about some guy who went crazy and hit his girlfriend and everyone starts, you know, thinking bodybuilders are all crazy. And then Arnold, he does all these movies where he's shooting machine guns and snapping people's necks. So people think these, these bodybuilders are like, just these meathead crazy people, and they're the nicest people. So that's why I asked it. We had, um, you know, some some of these other guys we had. They're like babies, you know, that we've had on. But their reputation is like Branch Warren. We had on. He was the nicest, calm guy. But if you watch his videos, he's throwing weights around. He's like, so a lot of his marketing and stuff. So that's why I kind of asked that because the reputation, you know, out there of bodybuilders is like, is complete opposite of what we see. And it's, it's like that with football players too, because everyone thinks football players are just a bunch of roided up freaks that hit people all day. And it's not, they actually, they do a lot in the community and, and they're the nicest people if you ever meet them. Yeah, you're totally right. But no, that stuff that like, you know, boy rage and people hitting their girlfriend, that's not really at the top. Like, you know, you don't really get that high up that kind of that's like people that really don't know what they're doing or what they think bodybuilding is and they think that's walking around with your shirts off and like even like you know, if I go to the bank or whatever and the kid says make a muscle I can't say no I have to sit there like an idiot and put my muscle on the bank you know but but that may make his day or that or that may make his year whatever you know by doing that and so you know we got, we care the guys that I'm with we, we carry our way we carry ourselves that, that whole the whole roid rage thing it's just because the media wants a story right if some if some a-hole beats up his girlfriend yeah that's a story but if he took some tests now it's roid rage and steroids are to blame then then it's a big story right it's kind of like if i went to the airport with a knife right. i'm some skinny white guy that's not a really good story but if a brown guy goes with a knife it's you know terrorist attack diverted right. threat to national security so it's just it's just the media, man. I'm someone that looks like me. Yeah, Roy rage. I think it's more diet rage. You you, you have a guy eating boiled chicken for seven weeks. He has some <laughs> that right there might get you fucked up. And that, not the Roy's. It's the it's the, the chicken. It's the chicken and lettuce. You know. So I think that makes people have short temper, not 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 the actual metabolism. So Chris, we're almost at the end of our interview. How did it work with Aceto? Because we actually had Aceto on this podcast a couple of episodes ago, and he does Sean Road and Nutrition. So were you guys, you know, texting back and forth to making sure Sean was dialed in? How did that all work? We texted. He called a lot the first year to understand my style. And that guy is the best in the business as far as Google. I mean, he is so relaxed. And he comes in, he goes, eat this, eat that. I'll see you guys later. And it's like... He's so laid back and I'm, I'm like stage mom. Ooh, you know, he's just so calm and cool. But we work so well together because if he doesn't know, he won't bullshit you and say this and that. But 
his guess will be better than anybody else's. Even when even when he rolls the dice, it always comes up like the best way possible answer. And that guy is everything is mapped out, all the moves that we make and. I can beat Sean up and I can text him and say, I've been going hard on Sean. He goes, I know, I already saw it. Like he's, he's right on top of it. He's, he's right on top of it. And he's so calm and cool. So we work really well together. I have nothing but respect for that man. And every time I'm around him, I just learn so much, you know. He's, he's a smart, he's a very smart guy. You, you know, you can tell he's a very, very intelligent guy even outside of fitness, as we talked on the after show about some other stuff too, he's, he's extremely knowledgeable. Oh, yeah. So Trevor, do you want to finish it up? I was going to say for any of our listeners, make sure to listen to that episode of the CEO, because not only is he a genius, he's funny as shit. Yeah, he is. He, people don't know that he's really, he's really funny. But tell us, tell us how our listeners can get in touch with you for coaching or um, tell us how they can search your Instagram or your website. Well, everything, hit up the Instagram, psychofitness21. Hit it up. You can DM me. You can click on the bio and go to the website. You can, I got some buzz reels on there, a lot of training tips, a lot of videos of my stuff. And, and I, got a, I got a YouTube series also called Psychofitness21 where I'm explaining really in deep detail my concept of how we actually created Sean Rose's physique. We, we got listeners from all walks of lives, right? You know, we got competitive bodybuilders. We got people just trying to lose 20 pounds. We got host moms. Guys, give his Instagram a follow. It's even if you, even if you don't want to reach out to him for personalized uh, coaching, it's really good information. It's funny. And it's really cool to see, you know, what the top guys are doing. And you know, what Steve was saying earlier is like, when you're looking for motivation, just watching some of the, the videos on your, on your Instagram, you know, they're short one minute videos, but just seeing, you know, how hard these guys are pushing themselves. It's, it's motivating, man. And seeing your dedication, you're, you're a hundred percent present. You know what I mean? Like you kind of have personal trainers and they're with their client. They're kind of like jerking off. They're, they're looking at the, the cute girl at the water fountain and like, Oh, I'll go talk to her. You're a hundred percent there. Right. Yeah. I, I love what I do. And like I said, for all my clients, they're there and we feed off each other and we create this energy and get the job done. To finish off the show, Chris, let our listeners know what's next for you. I mean, the Olympia is still 11 months away. What, what do you have planned in the next couple months? I will be coming to a town near you. I will be finishing up my YouTube series of how we dethroned Mr. Olympia and took that, took that send out from him, which he won't be getting back. And uh, I'll, be on the, I'll, I'll be on the IG. Every time you DM me, that's me responding back to you. Even if it's an emoji, that's me hitting you back. And every email I do see, and I do respond to that. So hit me up, get some information, learn something, spread spread the word, and let's, t- let's take bodybuilding back to what it used to be, something that we enjoy and we love, and we, you know, we lift each other up. So thanks for having me on. For our listeners, I will have his Instagram in the show notes. You can just copy and paste it there. For your host, Trevor Kritzen, for my co-host, Steve Smee, and for our special guest, Chris Psycho-Lewis. It's been another episode of Evolutionary Radio. Live your life. Look at doing it. Thanks for listening.
Mm-hmm.